honestly, as a floor nurse, and I mean, I, I feel like we didn't even really learn anything else, even in nursing school, about how to treat hyperkalemia, but KXLA. So I had a patient who had a potassium of 5.7. Mm, that's pretty high. And, you know, this patient was also not really alert, not really oriented, um, but able to swallow. So KXLA comes in like a liquid form. Yoo-hoo. Welcome to The Shift Report, the hottest new nursing podcast in America. And now... Your hosts, Miriam Khan and Wasim Moment. Episode 10. The final episode of the year. Yes, it's our season finale. (laughs) So season one, episode 10. We are here... And this is one that honestly we've, I didn't really even think about until you brought it up. And I was like, oh man, this would be fantastic to talk about because yeah. majority of the things that you were talking about, I had no idea. Well, I was seeing a lot on my floor too. Yeah. Like lately. So I was just like, hmm, this isn't always treated properly or it's not recognized as well or early as it should be. So yeah, I thought it'd so- be great. You guys are tuning in to The Realist Nurses on Instagram, The Realist RN, um, on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us, like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications for all of our new stuff coming up next year with season two. Yeah, it was a short year. I mean, I feel like we started and we ended. It went by fairly quickly. Yeah, and then, of course, COVID. Well, COVID (laughs) is COVID, and I think it will be around for quite some time despite vaccinations and whatnot coming out. Yeah, so hopefully we have a full full season starting 2021. Can you believe it's 2021? Wild. We've got like 25 days left. (laughs) Not even. It's like 20 days left. Seriously. But uh, coming back to our topic, hyperkalemia. Mm, What is that? So hyperkalemia is basically a elevation in your serum potassium levels. Mm-hmm. A normal range of potassium is 3.5 to 5.0. Yeah, yeah. So anything above 5.0, your body is in a hyperkalemic state. And honestly, as a floor nurse, and I mean, I I feel like we didn't even really learn anything else even in nursing school, about how to treat hyperkalemia, but KXLA. So I had a patient who had a potassium of 5.7. Mm, that's pretty high. And, you know, this patient was also not really alert, not really oriented, um, but able to swallow. So KXLA comes in like a liquid form. Yoo-hoo. It looks like that Yoo-hoo chocolate yeah. milk. Yeah. Did you ever it, drink that as a kid? <laughs> Doesn't taste like it. Looks yeah, like it. I mean, I don't know what it tastes like. I've never tasted it, but from what people have told me or what I've seen and reactions of patients, they're like, this stuff is terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> I've pretty much heard it all. The and funny it, and part then is, it's is, so thick. Yeah. The funny part is, is potassium liquid also tastes like crap. I heard. So when you're, when you're hypokalemic, 
potassium tastes like shit. Yeah. I've tried both actually as part oh, of a you dare. Have? Yeah, I have in the past. As long <laughs> as well as um some laxative, but it was part of a dare. That was many years ago. Young oh, and stupid. You have some guts. Yeah. I would not no, no thank you. Self torture is not my thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, it's very it's like a very thick consistency. And you really have to shake it up in order for these patients to drink it because it is, it's like goo. Yeah. But so that's really, the, so with this patient who's not really alert oriented to try to get him to swallow such a weird consistency of fluid was such a challenge. And I was like, you know, there has to be a different way. But honestly, I didn't even know. I didn't know that there were multiple ways to treat hyperkalemia aside from K-exalate. Until right. you brought him up to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? I've never done this. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those ways are um, IV insulin and D50. Mm-hmm. I use that one a lot. I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, another one is nebulizer treatments. Mm, that's not as common, mm-hmm. but we do use it. Okay. Yeah. See, again. No idea. I wonder if RTs even know that. Uh, I'm sure they do. Mm. At least in my facility, they do. Sodium bicarb. Yeah. That's usually used like as a buffer. So okay. usually. So what do you mean by buffer? <clears throat> so it's us- mostly used in renal patients because, you know, renal patients have all sorts of electrolyte imbalances. Mm-hmm. And depending on where they are in their care, you may not see it on the floor as much because your patients are stable relatively Ish, yeah, and can yeah. still get like hemodialysis and all that stuff. But when you start talking about ICU patients that you can't dialyze normally, and there are on, you know, slower dialysis, or for whatever reason they haven't been dialyzed in three or four days because they're the state of their care. So I don't know. Right, it can be a number of things. It'd be really. a good buffer. Sodium bicarb helps to like fix their acidotic issues. It helps bring the body back to some sort of normalcy, mm. um, and it of course helps reduce the uh, free flowing level of potassium at times. Interesting, huh? Yeah. And uh, another crazy thing that you mentioned is looking out for arrhythmias. Well, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> I, I know that, you know, we learned that potassium, it has a direct correlation with the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything low, anything right. high mm-hmm. can affect the heart. But, you know, on a floor like mine, where every patient is not on necessarily on telemetry, it's like, that's such a challenge. Right. At least that that one looking out for arrhythmias because we don't we can't really catch an arrhythmia if that patient's not specifically on telly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, and I mean here's the thing. So I also see it. KXLate is most commonly used, but what do you do when because you know for KXLate to work, your patient has to defecate. They have to poop. Mm-hmm. So you give KXLate, and you're just like sitting there just. Waiting for your patient to poop, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they have these serial BMPs or serial labs to make sure that, you know, the potassium is actually responding to your treatment. And then you're just like, well, my patient hasn't pooped. And you're sitting there and then potassium goes from 5.7 in your case to 6.3, 6.5, 6.6, and your patient's not pooping. Right. The heck do you do? So I, KXLA, it's cool. Like I get it when people use it. Yeah. But man. It can have some delayed, like, interventional value, you know? Like, sometimes it just doesn't work because your patient doesn't poop yeah. right away, at least. 
So in that time, we give insulin and D50. So pretty much all these treatments work in the same way. They take potassium that's available in your blood and they shift them back into your cells. So then your free-flowing serum blood level doesn't have the potassium it did before the treatment. So insulin is actually the drug that works. Like immediately. Yeah. it it It's supposed to drop it, I think, like 0.5 to 1 milliequivalent or whatever per liter. That's a lot. Yeah, like a point. Pretty much like a point. Yeah. Half a point to a point. And almost immediately. So they don't have to go through that whole process of, all right, now I have to be, have a BM. Now I have to Nothing. have a BM. Yeah. So insulin is actually the, the reason why the potassium goes back into the cells. The D50 is given because what does insulin do? Of course, it's going to drop your sugar. It drops your blood sugar. So you give a D50 as a counteractive balance to giving the insulin. So we usually push IV insulin, so not sub-Q. Right. It's IV insulin. You push it, and then you immediately push D50 after that. Of course, you're going to recheck your potassium maybe an hour, 30, 40 minutes later, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but you also want to make sure you continue to monitor your patient's sugar, especially if they're diabetic. Yeah. Or if they're like NPO or something. The other way is not even just IV insulin, but what do you do when it doesn't work either? Your patient's not pooping. You did IV insulin and it barely dropped and your potassium is still six. You can only push so much IV insulin. That's true. Right? You're not going to yeah. keep doing it. Like I've done like, what, 30 units, I think, over the course of like two hours maybe, mm. maybe less, maybe more. Can't remember. It's been a while since I've pushed but that But even much. that 30 units IV, that... That's a lot of insulin. Yeah. And, and for it to still not work. Right. And this is the ICU we're talking about. Yeah. Probably not going to happen on the floor. That's right. probably a patient that needs to be monitored a little bit closely, especially if they're more symptomatic. Mm. But you can put them on a nebulizer, albuterol, a beta adrenergic drug. So how does that work? Like Same what's way. the patho behind Same nebulizers? Exact Same exact way. It helps push potassium back into your cells. Out, so, of, out of your actual serum serum like your free-flowing free potassium decreases mm. because your cells absorb more but one thing you got to keep in mind though is all that stuff is going to come right back out eventually so the key is it goes back it goes into the cells mm -hmm. your serum or outside your cells extracellular potassium drops but eventually over time when those drugs are metabolized your potassium is probably going to come right back out so what are you doing in the meantime to solve the problem? What's the key issue? And I think that's what happens a lot, is that we temporarily fix the potassium. Sure. But we don't solve the baseline issue. So so what? why? The why behind yeah. the so, issue? Yeah. Why is this patient's potassium so elevated? No one really always, not many people discuss that as often as they should or question as to, okay, so we fixed it temporarily. We've got... I don't know, six hours, eight hours to figure it out. What's going on? That's when like those renal consults come in and you start talking to the kidney doctors and like, hey, oh, I'm having severe electrolyte imbalances. I need to figure out what's going on. Right. Stuff like that. So then what's the correlation? So we talked a little bit about the sodium bicarb as that buffer. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the correlation with the arrhythmias? So, so the arrhythmias, pretty much your heart you know, it, it gets blood flow too. So whenever your electrolytes are imbalanced, it's not just potassium, it's all of them. All of Magnesium, them. K2, 
calcium, potassium, chloride, phosphorus, mm -hmm. all that stuff. When you have any one that is too high or too low, your heart isn't going to function as well as it should because it helps with the transfer of the electrical activity in your heart. Like there's a, just a, is a much more complicated pathophysiology that I think is in way too much depth for this. Mm. But when you have way too much free flowing potassium, your heart gets really excited. Starts going, ah, my God, all this potassium starts dancing around. That's when you start getting these weird PVCs and, you know, your heart has these extra beats randomly for those people that don't know what a PVC is. Yeah. Or some sort of arrhythmia. Um, Are there any specific ones that we should be looking out for in in direct correlation with potassium? Or it can really be any arrhythmia? I mean, I've seen all of them, depending on how bad the hyperkalemia is. I've seen a oh, ton. Okay. The one I see most common are PVCs, though. Okay. Um, at least with floor patients, mm. is that you'll start seeing these random ventricular activity out of nowhere because you have your QRS, whatever. Of course. And then you'll see a boop, a little PVC right before it, you know? Mm. So those are the kinds of things you have to cut and keep around or keep an eye out for. But more than that, it's recognition of the problem and knowing when you take an intervention, how long it's going to take. Because say you gave Kiesolate, right? You gave it. didn't work. And then you're like, okay, this is not working. I need to do something else. So then you try the insulin and the D50. That'll work most of the time, right? And then what if your patient poops then? So now you probably have hypokalemia. Yeah, depending possibly. on how aggressively you treated it. Yeah, you could. So you have to be careful. That's why I don't like Kiesolate. It has a delayed response, if a response at all. Right. So... I don't like it because I I don't know when to expect a result. I can expect a result with in IV insulin fairly quickly, mm -hmm. you know, and it's easier to control at that point. Especially in those ICU patients where, you know, you can push it and you can monitor it. Right. Constantly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the biggest difference. Okay. And then what I don't see a lot is people giving the calcium gluconate when a potassium is so severely elevated that it's causing arrhythmias, you can give calcium to kind of tame the heart, to tame it and say, chill out, you know, chill out here a little bit. Okay. Calcium goes in and it helps decrease the excitability of the heart in a hyperkalemic state. Interesting. So okay. It's a good drug to give. So next time your patient's hyperkalemic and it's like six and you're treating it, Maybe ask the, ask the physician, like, hey, do you want to give some calcium gluconate or some calcium chloride or whatever? Let's give some, this patient some calcium while they're in this hyperkalemic state. Just, just so that we don't get heart. any crazy arrhythmias. Yeah. You know? It's like a buffer. Balances it out. It's pretty mm -hmm. much what it does. But, Interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, you got hypokalemia. And the reason I'm, we're not talking so much about hypokalemia is because what do you do when the patient's hypokalemic? You give potassium, whether that's oral, PO, liquid, IV. Yeah. And what do you usually give? What form? So it depends. Uh, more recently, I had a patient who had a potassium of like 3.2. So not super low, but low. And she was, she had uh, 40 MEQ tablets ordered. The and then she had pills. 40 MEQ, the <laughs> horse pills. Big. They're huge. Yeah. Most, most patients just want them split 
you know, in half. I would half. do. And they're disgusting. Yeah. They like dissolve super fast and they're like, wait, 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 what? Yeah. And then, um, so she had 40 MEQ um, tablets and then she had 40 MEQ IV. And she was like, nope, I'm not going to take the IV. Have the physician put it back into pill form. Why? Because it burns? Because it burns. Yeah. And I don't, I never have patients complain about medications ever. It's always potassium. Mm. Potassium is that one medication that every patient everywhere always complains of, whether it's the horse pill, whether it's the liquid form, Ugh. or the IV. I used to mix my liquid form with orange juice. Mm. Most patients said that that tasted pretty good. Okay. So just or- OJ. So I've offered to mix the oral liquid form with something, and they're like, no, I'd rather just take it as a shot and get it over with. <laughs> and they literally just chug it and call it a day instant gratification yeah or dissatisfaction (laughs) but i've also noticed that if you piggyback some sort of fluid drip with your iv potassium it helps so not piggyback the iv on so the potassium can go but you know hook up some saline to your potassium line and on a different pump have it go at like the same rate Mm. as the potassium they're compatible so it helps dilute that potassium infusion and it helps I guess doesn't burn as much, but then you also have to keep in mind, like, is my patient fluid overloaded or do they have heart failure or right? There's a lot of other factors that factor. So into just do it that. Too. You have to think about all of it, but that's one way. Um, the pills. Yeah. Splitting them up. And then of course the liquid is, how do you like your poison? Do you want it as a shot or do you want it as a mixed drink? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. So I guess rounding about all the different ways you can, treat hyperkalemia absolutely so number one we have the k-exalate which honestly is probably the most common Yoo-hoo. yeah <laughs> the most common type of uh hyperkalemia treatment but like you said it is kind of delayed it has a delayed effect so you have to wait for that patient to have a bowel movement and you know they complain that you know once they have a bowel movement they honestly keep going for a couple more bowel yeah. movements <laughs> um so you have K-exalate, you have IV insulin followed by D50. Mm-hmm. We have um, beta ad- beta adnergenic drugs, which are your nebulizer treatments. Albuterol. Mm-hmm. We Most have common. sodium bicarb. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we have um, to look out for arrhythmias. Yeah, arrhythmias. and then you can give calcium um, in in the in the meantime while you're treating. Um, and then, of course, hypokalemia, you just really got to figure out the problem. You know, I had a patient the other day who came in with severe diarrhea. His electrolytes were all over the place, and we just couldn't keep up with him. Yeah. The guy was having, poor guy had bowel movements like 10 times a day. How do you keep up with that? Right, that's you know? tough. And you can't give him too much because it's like, what if his diarrhea all of a sudden stops? Then you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. So, you know, just take it easy. I mean, I know same levels are important. But as long as you get near normal, you're usually pretty good. You just, you can't be doing things that are like completely way off kilter. You can't have a potassium in the sevens or That's even, wild. you know, the sixes. That's a lot. Yeah, that is Or you can't have a potassium in the twos. For like 3.4, 3.3, 3.5, you're usually probably okay. Um, but more importantly is keep an eye on those arrhythmias. Keep an eye on their symptoms, muscle soreness arrhythmia, heart palpitation, stuff like that. 
Stress, pain, that sort pain, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those are all contributing factors. And it's important, I guess, as nurses, because it's such, potassium is such an important electrolyte. And it's an electrolyte that is more off balance, I feel, than most others, as, at least in my practice, right. in the population I work with. It's always potassium. And, you know, if you if you get behind in treating it, you can be in some real, real, real trouble. Absolutely. So keep an eye on it, yeah. But, yeah, that's it for that. We, we really hope you guys learned something from this um, episode. It is, again, our season finale. Yeah, we're done. We'll be back next year, though. It's not that much longer. It's only like a few weeks. But Yeah. So, again, we appreciate you guys so, so, so much for following along with us this season. We hope that we gave you guys some awesome information, that you guys learned a lot from what we had to say and our stories uh, within our practices, of course. We wish you all the best of health throughout the holidays. Stay safe yeah. through this holiday season. We wish you guys a happy new year. Happy new year. Don't have parties, man. Let all this COVID stuff die out. I mean, you can do what you want. I'm not going to tell you to live <laughs> your life, but shit. You know, like, I don't, I'm so tired of it. I don't want to do this anymore. I know. I feel like COVID the exhaustion sucks. is real um, within the healthcare society. But um, thank you again. Please like, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, on Instagram at The Realist Nurses, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Where else are we? That's, it. that's pretty much it. Instagram, yeah. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Yeah, and if you're a graduate nurse and you're looking for a job, we have some really cool stuff coming up. Mm. we're starting to look at resumes and i've already looked at a few myself they're pretty good but we've got a lot of tips coming up but we're just throwing out free resume reviews um instead of podcasting we'll be spending our time doing that so there's going to be more information in our profile um especially on instagram you can look at how we're going to you know throw that out there and how you can sign up to get your resume reviewed before your interviews i know a lot of people are doing things with the turn of the new year so if that's something you're interested in holler back Bye. See you. Thank you for listening to The Shift Report. Be sure to check back every week to get real-time advice from The Realist Nurses. Or follow us at TheRealistRN.com.